The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Men on the face of the earth, Chase Madorsky and Alex Spector. Welcome to episode 29 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show with Sam Beck and Bryce Holden, as always. My name is Chase Madorsky. Well, not as always. As of late. Now, as of always. Well, it's going to be as always going forward, so if it allows me to say the same exact thing every week, let's just stick with it, please. Okay. Can't overwhelm me with anything more today, and it's been tough getting this thing going. Yeah, I mean... Tough start to the episode. Full disclosure, we had broken computers. I almost broke our microphone. We said we were going to be here at 6.30. We got here at about 6.45. I'll take the blame for that one. I'm a slow walker through the subway station. Um, but in terms of actually hitting the subways on time, we did a great job. Yeah, we did. We timed that. Crushed right. in that regard. Uh, very busy week in the baseball world. A lot of teams clinched playoff spots while a few other races heated up. We will get to that shortly. Um, but we will start with our Bovada Sportsbook Picks of the Week. But before we do that, episode 29. So, as always, let me go on my Yankees rant. So, number 29 on the Yankees. Um, probably the surprise player in all of baseball this year. Wouldn't you guys agree? Yeah. Yeah. That is Mr. Clutch himself, Gio Urshela. Um, but prior to that, we got a few interesting names. Um, so last year, 29 was worn by two players, both not super memorable. Uh, you remember when Brandon Drury started on opening day last year? Yeah, yeah it was Judge and Drury. I was actually my fantasy baseball team, man. And how did you guys finish? Four. Probably better than our team this year. But, no, positive don't, note, don't bother. My other team did win a championship led by soon-to-be AL batting champion. Tim Anderson. <laughs> Thank you. Sam, I think I'm going to get you a Tim Anderson jersey for Hanukkah. Wow, that'd be great. Are we doing Hanukkah gifts? Should we do a shell Hanukkah exchange? I think we each order a jersey <laughs> from China for the other person. So everyone gets two jerseys. We're not breaking the bank. We're spending like 50 bucks at most. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, that's fine. I'll never wear it, but yeah, I'll <laughs> hang it up. Uh, maybe a 1-1-1. One, one, one. How do we, we pick who gets who? We'll do... Um, pick out of a hat? Pick, yeah. Out of a hat. Yeah. But we agree if either of us get back, it's Tim Anderson. No. Thank I you. know who I'm getting for you. I know who I'd get back. He'd, um, like, he'd actually wear the one. No, Yaka, whatever his name You'd is. You'd wear whatever I... Well, I'm getting Bryce Bung Young Kim. Oh, that's really good. Thank you. <laughs> kind of almost was a Yankee World Series hero. Did everything he could for the Yankees to win in 2001. We just couldn't close it out. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. Two years old you were? Three? Two, three? Three. three. I was at one of those games. I was oh, at the Mr. November game. I wasn't there in 01. I was there in 03 against those pesky Marlins. Oof. Those pesky Marlins. So Drury wore it uh, along with a former Marlin, um, a Denny Hechevarria last year. Um, before that, it was Todd Frazier, who I don't know if you guys knew this, but he uh, played in the Little League World Series and met Derek Jeter because the team didn't publicize that at all that year. Yeah, uh, Tyler Clippard, you guys remember him? I liked Clippard. Clippard was good. Clippard's still in the league. Clippard's got the most relief appearances this decade of any pitcher in baseball. That's a fun fact. Because he's just yeah. he just has been pitching forever. Uh, Dustin Ackley. Never heard of him. Forgot him. Um, was he on the Mariners? He was a number two pick in the draft for the Mariners. Big old bust. The Cisco kid, Cervelli. We liked him. Yes. I liked him, but didn't he? Uh, he's the guy A-Rod threw under the bus very heavy in the biogenesis scandal. Good. Big time. Take one for the team. He's Down. a good player. Didn't work for A-Rod. So then there were some bad ones. Uh, Keigawa wore 29. Mr. Every Team himself, Octavio Dotel, 29 for the Yankees. He's another convicted felon. No, he got off. They said he's clean. Him, him and Luis Castillo. Um, not to be confused with Giancarlo, but Mike Stanton, uh, former All-Star relief pitcher, wore 29. And, okay. What? Say what you're going to say. I, I was thinking, you're, you're going to keep him moving. What were you thinking? Well, I was going to say, that was his name before was Mike. That's true. Yeah. 
thing confused me. They are both very tall, but Mike Stanton was a tall white guy. Giancarlo Stanton is a tall Latin American man. Um, before him, uh, not a ton. Catfish Hunter wore it, Hall of Famer. Um, That's a great name. Are you sure Catfish Hunter is a Hall of Famer? Yes, positive. Um, but the big one I'm going to say is actually not big for the Yankees, but for what he did after. Uh, head of the Players Association, Tony Clarkboard is a Yankee. And Bubba Trammell, you remember that name? No. Hell of a name. I like Catfish, whatever his name is better. Catfish and Bubba. Catfish and Bubba. Catfish, if your name is Catfish, you need to be like a blues guitar player in the, in the flake fish. If we ever open a seafood restaurant, can we name it Catfish and Bubba's? What about Catfish Blues? That's the song. I hope. Gary Clark. Look at you, Mr. Musical. I don't know if it's really by him, but he plays it now. There you go. All right, so now that that is over, we will go into our Bavada Sportsbook Picks of the Week. Um, small slate of games, only five, but a few of them have some pretty heavy relevant in terms of playoff races. So the first one, Philadelphia Phillies visiting the Washington Nationals. Zach Eflin and Patrick Corbin on their respective teams' bumps. Plus 105, plus 185 for the Phillies. And Bavada has the Nats at minus 1.5, minus 115, minus 215. Phillies are in free fall mode. I think given that they've underachieved back-to-back years, Gabe Kapler uh, has gone after this year, which is a damn shame because having a Jewish manager in baseball is great. Also a jacked manager in baseball. A jacked manager who I don't think he's gone. I think, I think he's going to stick around. I think they got to fire the manager or the GM at this point. I think you can't spend that much money and win like 85 games. I also think you can't... F- Spend that much money and fire the GM. That's admitting defeat. Hence why you fire the manager. No, they like Kapler. He's a very confrontational person. Could be because he's so much stronger than everybody, though. Or he has a little roid rage. Could be. Um, But all that said, I'm going to go Nash minus one and a half, minus 115. (laughs) Yes, me too. I'm going to do that also. These They actually got five games coming up, these two teams. Nats, because of the way things turned out over the weekend, Nats need all five. So we'll get to that in a little bit, and we'll talk about the schedules for all the contending teams left. But if you're the Nats and you're looking like you're heading towards a wild card game, how pissed are you that you have a doubleheader the last week of the season? You need all the wins. You just win them. Brutal. Um, this Orioles-Blue Jays game, not a ton of relevance. But this Rays-Red Sox game. You're uh, not even going to pick it? No, not even going to pick it. Chandler Shepard. Do you know who Chandler Shepard is? I know Clay Buckholtz. I like Clay Buckholtz. Give me the Blue Jays. All right, Bryce is going with the Bavada Blue Jays line of Blue Jays uh, minus 178. Actually, give me the over in that game because Shepard and Buckholz with a 10.5 over under. No Bichette, though. It doesn't matter. Buckholz, Shepard, seems like a lot of runs are going to be scored. Balls could be flying. So the Red Sox and the Rays, Julius Chassin and Blake Snell. This game is in Tampa. Bavada has this at plus 1.5, minus 110, plus 180 Red Sox. Minus one and a half, minus one ten, minus two ten for the Rays. A must-win game for Tampa in the wild card hunt. Snell looked really good in his first stat in his first start back, but I think the Red Sox, given that they're out, are really going to come in hot, trying to be playoff spoilers for Tampa. So for that reason, give me the Red Sox plus one eighty. I would love I love the value of the Red Sox at plus one eighty, but it's hard to pick against Snell in these must-win games. So I'll take the Rays money line. Me too. Marlins Mets, Marlins visiting, flushing. Mets are hanging on by their teeth, trying to get into the playoffs. Caleb Smith and Steven Matt. Bavada has this at plus one and a half, plus 125, plus 230 for the Marlins. Minus one and a half, minus 145, minus 280 for the Mets. Honestly, Matt has been great of late, and I think Caleb Smith actually got traded from the Yankees. Uh, so give me the Marlins plus one and a half, plus 125. Chase, I think you mixed up or you messed up your idiomatic expressions there. It's by the skin of their teeth. No one just hangs on by their teeth. It's by the skin of your teeth. I've been having those nightmares every now and then where I lose my teeth. Me too. It means you're stressed <laughs> out, but I'm trying to figure out what... That's not what mine means. I think the worst part about this dream is like if you like look it up, it says you're stressed out, but I don't know what I'm stressed out about, which Darren is giving me stress. Are you stressed out about losing your teeth? No. I'm a little stressed out about losing my teeth. Yeah, you don't brush your teeth a lot. Brush my teeth at least twice a day. Good, I was just testing you. Uh, give me the Mets. Money line. The Marlins are awful. I'm going to take the Marlins plus one and a half also. That's not a great return, either of the two Mets picks. And the last game we got is the NL Central leading Cardinals and Adam Wainwright, who has really turned back the clock. 
Uh, if you had told me this year that Adam Wainwright would have an ERA around 3-6, 3-7, I would have said you were crazy. I was expecting him and Felix Hernandez to have really bad years. Uh, Felix did that. But Wainwright's been good. Um, Alex Young for the D-backs. Pavada has this at minus 1.5, plus 115, minus 141. Cardinals, plus 1.5, minus 135, plus 121 D-backs. Cardinals have been so hot the past few weeks. I think if they win the division, there's a good chance Mike Schill wins manager of the year. Give me cards, minus 141. I'm going to take the D-backs money line at home. Wainwright may have turned back the clock, but he there's the, he's not very good. Oh, I agree. And in Arizona's a hitter's park. I think he gets lit up early by a Diamondbacks team that I think is still technically alive. I think they got eliminated, but... Either sure. way, D-backs at home, money line, that's fine. And on the Felix Hernandez note, I think we need... I, is, he, is he retiring after this? So, uh, for anyone who subscribes to The Athletic, shameless plug with The Athletic, there was a really greatly written article this past week just pretty much saying how Felix came up when he was 19, you know, had all those great years with the Mariners where he was probably, you know, from 2007 to 2013... Top five pitcher. You ask me who the best pitchers I saw those years, it would probably be in no order. CC Verlander, Cliff Lee, Roy Holiday, Felix, and I'm going to throw Granky in there also. It's it's un- Felix had a very unfortunate career. Yeah, and I, no playoff appearances for the Seattle since that 01 team, and Felix he rode it out with the team the entire time, and it. Seems to have backfired on I mean, look, he's going to retire as one of the most beloved Mariners of all time. Holds the majority of their pitching records. Um, but what the article pretty much hit on is he is a guy, you know, I'm going to put this in the Yankee terms because we've seen it with CC and Pettit. You know, guys who once they lost their elite velocity were able to adjust. They nibbled at the corners. They went with the breaking ball. And Felix, a big part of the article was he was never willing, despite the team's urging, to move along from that blazing fastball. He always thought he can get guys out. And when you're throwing 97, you can throw fastballs down the plate and say, good luck, hit this. But when you're throwing, like, 91, you give up a ton of home runs. Um, so, unfortunate ends to Felix's career. Maybe a team gives him a shot at a minor league deal. But, honestly, if I'm Felix, I retire as a mariner and just call it a day. He's made so much money. Perfect game. Uh, is really the guy who, in terms of award voting, you know, him and Zach Greinke, I think, shifted the tie towards sabermetrics when Felix won that Cy Young in 2010 with a 13-12 and 12 record. Um, it'll be the end for the King, but what a run it was. Well, happy you called him the King because that is an awesome nickname. If your nickname is King, you're, that's awesome. Yeah, Felix is great to watch. And LeBron James, Henrik Lundqvist. Who else? King Henry? Henry. I guess that was more of a nickname. Or a title. More than a nickname, that's a title. Being king is cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Felix is. He should. He should walk away now. Yeah, but stuff um, to watch. Another thing they mentioned in the article was you know how they had like the king's corner, mm-hmm. how it went from uh, you know they would have like the K signs for the king's corner to um, eventually now it's just let's go Felix signs because he doesn't strike guys out. Now that's sad. But you give the guy credit, you know, just for sticking it out with one team. And, you know, the really interesting comparison it made was he refused to get guys out, you know, relying on anything. He refused to get guys out. That was a, that's the problem. Yes, that in itself would be a big problem. <laughs> but the comparison they made is if he was willing to just move away from the fastball and become crafty. You know, a guy who pitched for the Mariners who never had good stuff to begin with but made it work. Jamie Moyer pitched was 50. Yeah, but King Felix's peak was so much better than Moyer's. No, of course, but I'm saying... Like, we, Felix was a top-five pitcher in baseball for a six-, seven-year period. Jamie Moyer was never that. I mean, Felix was a guy who, up until his age 30 season, was on a no-doubt first ballot Hall of Famer trajectory. Well, he might fall off the ballot. I think maybe he'll get votes, but... I mean, he had through 2012, I think, or 2012 or 2013, he had 50 career war. And he's going to finish his career at 54 war. I think he's had a negative. His, it's negative this season. Oh, for sure. I mean, he got demoted to the bullpen. But outside of Felix, um, some guys who are doing well in baseball this year. Um, this is going to be our last league leaders update um, until next week where it should be pretty finalized at that point, right? Mm-hmm. When's the regular season actually end? Sunday? Sunday. So it should be very finalized by then. should be very finalized unless... 
Ooh. there's game 163s, which is very much in play still this season. Uh, but that said, league leaders, Sam, I know it's going to pain pain you to hear this yet Just get again. through it. Get through it. Batting average, Tim Anderson, 334 in the AL. So, Bryce, let me ask you this, because this is a very interesting twist in the NL, especially in regards to the MVP race. Christian Yelich is leading the NL right now with the 329 average. If he finishes the year, even despite his injuries, as the batting champ, does that boost his MVP candidacy enough where he would beat Bellinger or Rendon? No. You missed, the last, you missed the last month of the season. And it's just like kind of an arbitrary thing at this well, point. He missed, he missed the last month of the season, and with him being injured, his team managed to get in the playoffs. Managed to do the best they've done all year. Yes. So, counter-argument real quick. So, yeah, it's 329 average in the National League. Uh, tied with Cattell Marte, who was also out for the year. Uh, so, you could have two batting champions who don't play the last two weeks of the season. That would be very interesting. Um, but Mike Trout tied with Solaire, 45 home runs in the AL, which is the same it was a week ago. All we need is one. We just need one for the Royals to have their first ever home run leader in franchise history. But all that said is the gap between Trout and everybody else in the American League so big that you think it doesn't matter that Trout is basically going to miss as much time as Yelich. Who's your number two in the AL? I think right now it would be Bregman. And what stat is Bregman? Bregman's not going to catch him in homers. He's passed him in RBIs. He's passed him in runs. And in terms of war, 7.8 to 8.3, it could be like a .2 difference by the end of the year. It just feels like the narrative has been cemented that this is the third MVP for Trout. That's fine with me. Uh, Pete Alonzo, we'll get a little more into it, but first guy in baseball to hit 50 home runs. Uh, he's leading the NL. The guy i got to give a shout-out to is Suarez. 48 home runs, just crushing it for the Reds. Really nice to see if you're a Reds fan. RBI leaders, Jose Abreu, continuing the monster contract here. 121 ribbies in the AL. NL, Freddie Freeman, 121. Pitching side of things, Justin Verlander. First pitcher and probably will be the only pitcher in baseball this year uh, to reach 20 wins. He is the oldest pitcher to reach 20 wins uh, in a season since R.A. Dickey in 2012. Um, and in the NL, 17 wins, Steven Strasburg and Max Fried tied respectively. Uh, ERA leaders, Justin Verlander, 253. NL Ryu, 241. So I want to take a look at the NL ERA. Ryu is .10 in front of the Grom. He's at 2.51. Uh, Scherzer last week gave up five runs at his start to Grom one seven scoreless. Uh, at this point, is it safe to say that bearing a catastrophic last start of the season, DeGrom's going to go back-to-back? It certainly looks like that. So, yeah, the smart money would be on DeGrom. And DeGrom doesn't seem to have catastrophic starts. Ever. No. It's Mr. Solid. I would almost Scherzer would need to throw a 20-strikeout game, a no-hitter, to get it done, but it looks like DeGrom's going to go back-to-back. What, what do you say to the old-school baseball fan who's inevitably going to freak out that DeGrom's going to win two Cy Youngs with a combined 21 wins? I don't like it. I like the win. I like my pitchers to win games. But So based on that merit, I'm just going to throw him out there. Where does Steven Strasburg rank on your list? Um, how's he doing in Stra- Stra- I think Strasburg... If you go to the ESPN, you know ESPN has their formula? The Cy Young predictor, yeah. I think Strasburg's number one on the ESPN list. So one thing I will say with the Cy Young predictor, um, they have Strasburg one, Ryu two, Kershaw three. A very big part of that, though, because it's like a point system, is... Innings pitched. Well, you get the most for wins and a playoff bonus. So DeGrom is second in the NL in innings pitched. He's second in the RA. He's first in whip and strikeouts. But... Neither of those are too heavily factored in here. Yeah, but two years in a row, he's going to win, what, 10, 11 games? He's going to win 21 games between two seasons of work for back-to-back Cy Youngs? That doesn't seem like the best pitcher in baseball to me. I agree. I I just think, as much as I love the old-school stats, I do think at a certain point, if your numbers are so much better than everybody else's, wins get put aside, especially when you can point out with the Mets, more so maybe than any other team in baseball, 30 starts that you can make a strong argument if he's on any other team, maybe he gets the win. Winning matters. Winning is important. I agree. I agree, and I'm sure this will be a debate, not between the two of us, but a debate that's also going to go on for years and years to come in the baseball community as sabermetrics get more and more prominent. And starting pitchers just pitch fewer and fewer innings. Sabermetrics are cool, but if you're losing games... What are they? What are they really doing for? You? It's true. It's like the expression. It's like the expression. 
prospects are cool, but do you know what are cooler? Parades. Anything's cooler than winning is the coolest thing. It's true. Like we saw an awesome Giants win this week. Had to give Danny Dimes a shout out. Danny freaking Dimes. My, everyone's hero. <laughs> everyone's hero. Uh, so before we go into standings, we're going to do players of the week because standings are going to be a little bit longer than usual today. Um, not a player of the week, but just a big statistical alert. Nick Castellanos is at 58 doubles uh, with two doubles this week. He'll at 60 in a season, um, which maybe doubles are a little underappreciated because chicks dig the long ball. But 60 doubles in a season, especially in a contract year, is epic. What's the record for most doubles in a season? I think it was like 67. Um, so he only needs nine this week? But it was set a very, very long time ago. The record of 67 doubles was 1931. Um, if you call it the modern record. So the record in the past, we'll go past 80 years since uh, 1939, uh, was Todd Helton in 2000 with 59. Yeah, it's very cool. Good work, Castellanos. So, I mean, if you're venturing into that territory... How many of them were post-deadline? I'm going to take a look right now at our good old baseball reference page. Um, 37 doubles with the Tigers in 100 games, 21 doubles and 16 homers in 49 games with the Cubs. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's a J.D. Martinez second-half-esque stretch. But it's not translating to wins, which we'll touch on later. Yeah, big time. Not. You can blame Craig Kimbrell for that. Yeah, Castellanos is doing all he can on Chicago. Uh, so some players of the week. Shout-out to Nelson Cruz with his 400th career home run, a solo home run in the fourth inning of Sunday's game against the Royals. Um, Cruz, 39, is the 57th member of the 400 club. Um, he was previously tied with Andres Galarraga and Al Kaline on the all-time list with 399. Uh, so by probably the end of April next year, if he's healthy, there's a good chance Cruz is in the top 50 or so all-time on the home run list, which is pretty incre- uh, pretty incredible. Um and he, after this year with 345 home runs, will finish the 2010s decade off as the decade's home run leader. Yeah, that makes sense. Which is pretty amazing. And again, the counter argument to what I'm about to say is going to be, well, he took steroids. But he did that while missing 80 games or half of an entire season due to a PED suspension. It was a PED suspension. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. There's the easy counter argument there. These are, the most memorable thing Nelson Cruz did this decade was... Um, hand the Cardinals a World Series because he couldn't feel David Freeze's triple. So there you go. Another guy that doesn't translate to wins. He also had a lot of those home runs on... I actually think he was on a playoff Baltimore team. He was on some playoff Baltimore teams. And he was on a very bad Seattle team. Yeah, I mean, outside of Seattle... Well, that's the thing, too. He played four of those years in Seattle. Um, I mean, Safeco Field is not a home run park. The counter-argument is, before that, he played in Texas and Baltimore, which are extreme home run parks. He played in Texas and Baltimore on PEDs. Did he get suspended? No, I think he got suspended before he went to Baltimore. I thought Baltimore was when he signed the one-year proven deal, crushed it, Seattle paid him. He, you know, kind of hit bombs in obscurity for a few years and then was on his way. I'll let Beck's a Miami guy, so he can, I'll throw this to him. You think when people get caught for steroids, they just stop? No. Yeah, I, I think he's just gotten smarter. I don't know what that has to do with Miami, but. Well, biogenesis was all out of Miami. Yeah, but there's guys taking steroids Beck, everywhere. You're pretty much the reason because you went to the U that all these guys got busted for steroids. How does it feel? I'm proud of that. May as well be like an international arms dealer. Unfortunately, Biogenesis was shut down by the time I was there, which is tough. But people are still finding ways to use PEDs. Yeah. Are you saying that if it wasn't shut down, you would have worked for and supported Biogenesis? I'm saying I might be a bit larger than I am now. Impossible. Yeah. Bruce Bochy, Giants manager, uh, when the Giants beat the Red Sox Wednesday night 11-3, it was the 2000th win of Bruce Bochy's career, really the capping off of what was a Hall of Fame career. One of 11 managers in baseball history to win at least 2,000 games. Um, and Bochy is now one of only three managers all time with 2,000 wins and a below 500 record. But that said, 10 of the 11 managers with 2,000 wins are in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and he's one of 10 managers all time with three rings. Uh, the other nine are all in the Hall of Fame. Um, I mean, Boach, beloved baseball guy, going to be sad to see him go. Oddly enough, somebody thought he was going to be an opening once the – now that the Padres job is opening, which we'll talk about in a little bit, they thought Bochy could be one of the favorites. There's no way he you know, comes out of retirement at this point, you think, right? He's not retiring from San Francisco to go back to San Diego. Correct. And I think Bochy, one thing he could be a great candidate for, uh, mostly because Jim Leland, who's a similar 
old school, no bullshit baseball manager did it last time. I think Bochy would be a great choice to manage the U.S. in the 2021 World Baseball Classic. That's not even on my radar, if I'm being... I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I, it's only on my radar because I read a tweet saying that. Send him. Although I do wonder, and this, again, I have no idea what it's going to be. If Girardi's coaching the U.S. in the Olympics in 2020, is he just the U.S. manager to further notice, you think? It's going to be hard to back out of that commitment. So there's six teams that are going to be in the Olympics in 2020 for baseball. First time back since 2004. And Israel is going to be one of them. Uh, they just qualified. How quickly do you think the Hebrew Hammers are going to get bounced when they play the likes of the U.S., Cuba, Japan, etc. in the Olympics? How many eliminations is it until you're out of the tournament? I have no idea. Whatever that number they is. They won't win. No, they won't come That out. said, though, in the 2017 WBC, they did beat Cuba, the Netherlands, and Korea. They're not going to win a game. They're not. Yeah, I can't help but agree. Sad, though. Uh, Astro starter Garrett Cole, been a dominant strikeout guy all year. He recorded his 300 strikeout of the 2019 season Wednesday against the Rangers, fanning Shinsu Chu to end the sixth. He's the fourth pitcher to reach the 300 strikeout club since 2003, joining Scherzer, Sale, and Kurt Clayton Kershaw, and is the first Astro to do so since Mike Scott in 1986. In 198 and one-third innings pitch, it's the second-fewest innings pitch in a season the time of a player's 300 strike on MLB history. But as great as this is, we agree he's still going to finish second to his teammate in the side voting. Yeah, it goes back to the narrative thing. It, Verlander locked it up with the no-hitter. A guy who is probably going to sh- quietly finish in the top five of the MVP voting is the A's Marcus Simeon. Um, and this is as obscure as a fact as it's going to get, but I think it bears repeating. Uh, Mike Selleck reported this on Twitter. He joined Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig this week as a list of players in MLB history with 116 runs, 173 hits, 38 doubles, 7 triples, 30 homers, 85 ribbies, 78 walks, and 10 steals in a season. Very nitpicky, but if you could be on a list uh, from a positive standpoint with Ruth and Gehrig, you're having a pretty good year. Yeah, but Ruth and Gehrig are not happy about that. Can't be happy. Probably rolling over in their grave. Yeah. Graves. Um, They don't share one? No, I don't think so. They'd be kind of sick if they did. Yeah. Um, two guys with very famous baseball lineages, Mike Yastrzemski and Kevin, Kevin Biggio. They're both getting stat shout-outs. Uh, Mike, because his homer at Fenway Park uh, this past week was the first homer by Yastrzemski at Fenway Park since his grandfather, the Hall of Famer, Carl, hit one on July 31st, 1983. If you just want some cool, touching videos, watch the two of them walking around Fenway talking with one another. Uh, Mike played left field where his grandfather played for 20-plus years at Fenway. And uh, he threw the first pitch out to his grandfather, which was really cool. Or other way around, sorry. Yeah, he- Carl threw it to Mike. Um, and Kevin Biggio hit for the cycle Tuesday against the Orioles. And him and his father, Craig, became the second father-son duo in Major League history to hit for the cycle, joining Daryl and Gary Ward. That is pretty cool. Um, Yasiel Puig this week became the first te- player in baseball history to have extra inning walk-off hits for both Ohio teams in a season. Um, that is very obscure, but very cool, I thought. And the last one, I said this to you earlier this week when I saw you, uh, involves Albert Pujols. He, this Wednesday, when he flied out in the first inning at the Yankee Stadium, uh, brought his career batting average to .29999, and it was the first time his average had been below 300 since after his first four games in the majors in 2001. Pujols, people forget, when Pujols first came up, I saw the stat, the, the, uh, the Pujols' first five years were as good as Trout's. Pools first ten years were as good as Trout's. Yeah, the pools like the pools ending is kind of sad. It's been long and sad too. Long and sad, but at least on the other side for him, there's a two hundred forty million dollar payday. Glass half full. Yeah, that's more than half full. That's like pretty full, but it's pretty sad to watch from afar. No, I agree, and, and it just. It sucks when you go to these games and, you know, the young fans go, oh, this pool, you know, they're watching pools ground into another double play or this and that, where the three of us remember him as the guy. The machine. He was the machine. I am not the machine. I am Albert. You love that commercial. That's great. I think it comes up every other time we do this. Every time we bring least. up pools, it's got to come up. We bring up, we may bring up pools more than any other show. Someone's got to. I mean, when you're a surefire 95% first ballot Hall of Famer, you still got to get some love. Is he 95% still? Yeah. His half, his Angels career has been so bad. It doesn't matter. When you still look at the overall body of work, 
I'm not saying he was as good defensively as Ken Griffey Jr., but if Griffey got 99%, offensively, Pujols beats Griffey in every single category. And won two rings. Albert. <laughs> All right, so we're finally getting to the juicy part, which is the standings across baseball. Um, so in the American League East, the Yankees clinched this week. They're 102 and 65, nine and a half up on the Rays. Red Sox, Blue Jays, Orioles rounding out the AL East. Uh, the Yankees clinched by beating the Angels 9-1 Thursday with their 100th win of the season. Uh, it was their first division since 2012. They had been in the playoffs since then, but all three were as wild card. And actually, seven years seemed like a long time between yeah. division wins. Because you know what it was? We, For the most part, other than 2015, we got out of that wild card game and had competitive series. I mean, 2017, we had a 3-2 lead for the pennant. We did do that. So a couple interesting Yankee uh, bits and pieces, and then we'll be done with the Yankees for a little bit. Stanton's back. He's looked very good in the past week or so. Hit a monster home run the other day. He hit a home run to New Jersey. Has that looked awesome. very strong in left field, which is great. Uh, I feel terrible for Dallin Patances in his great two-thirds of an innings a season when he hopped off the mound to celebrate a strikeout. He tore his Achilles. Uh, but they said he should be back for spring training. That said, what do you think the Yankees offer him in free agency in terms of a one-year proven deal? Ten. Ten, I would say 10 to 12. It's crazy. He's casually 31 years old. Because he didn't really become dominant until he was about 26, 27. Yeah. He really floundered as a starter there for a while. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna give him whatever they need to to make sure that he's coming back next year. There was, a, was, there was a stretch when he was the guy making – when he was on the most consecutive AL All-Star teams, I think. Yeah, he made at least four in a row. I think he and, was the only guy to make those four in a row. And was just striking out guys in crazy, crazy quantities. But he's never been a closer. No. And that, that, could, that even could Randy Levine, the Yankees president, said, you know, in arbitration hearings, we don't want to pay this guy closer money when he was objectively valuable than 95% of the closers. That pissed baseball. him off. Big time. But that was like a classic, why do the Yankees need to do this moment? Like, I, is he going to come back? I, I think he really hates – I think he hated the arbitration stuff. But I think he'll come back because I don't think he wants to. Even if he's going to leave New York, I don't think he wants to end his Yankee career this way. He's a New York guy, born and raised, loves being a Yankee. I, I don't think his lasting mo- image for Yankee fans, he wants it to be him celebrating a strikeout and tearing his Achilles. Also, Maybe. who doesn't want to play on a really good team? And the Yankees are going to be really good until he's done playing baseball. Uh, don't be su- I think he's going to go to the Mets. The classic Mets signing. Signing a if guy he, coming off a torn Achilles. If he goes I think he's to a the classic Mets, Mets If he signing. goes to the Mets, he's going to be awful. Oh, yeah. yeah he's already injured enough, so he fits right in. One interesting thing Aaron Boone said this past week regarding his uh, starting rotation of the playoffs is we're going to be a little untraditional. The only one we might use as traditional starter is James Paxton. By traditional, Boone means a starting pitcher who goes as deep as he can into the game. Otherwise, New York is prepared to script each game with a piggyback starter or six key relievers. What do you guys think about this? Love it. I think at this point, I mean, Severino in his two starts back yesterday threw 80 pitches, five scores innings, nine strikeouts, no walks. In total, nine scoreless innings. 12 strikeouts, one walk, five hits. I think you could do it with Paxton and Severino, and then from there, Big Yak. I wouldn't want to stretch Severino more than you have to. If you can get four dominant innings out of Severino and then turn it over to the elite bullpen that we have, be happy with that. Don't force him because you also you don't want to risk an inju- another re-aggravation of an injury yeah. with that guy. And the two strengths of the team are the bullpen and the bats, so use it to your advantage and – if we can be up after four innings in a Severino start. Win the game. Just start go to the bullpen and win. And I think the silver lining is, you know, come next year, Paxton has won ten starts in a row. I mean, he's looked every bit like the ace we traded for. I mean, you're coming in next year with, Sev- with Paxton and Severino at a minimum at the top of your rotation. Uh, to not- and Tanaka becomes a three-starter. And possibly Patances. I mean, um, Herman. Maybe not. We'll Possibly. talk about that in a little bit. I think Herman has maybe thrown his last pitch as a Yankee, but we'll, we'll see. see. New York is the land of second chances. What I was going to say, though, is possibly Garrett Cole. Because I Yankees, thought you were going to say Garrett Cole. The Yankees have not broken the bank in quite a few years in free agency. That said, I mean... Stan Nick, counts. Yeah, that said, though, I mean, last year going for Britain, Ottavino, and LeMayu has paid off huge this year. As much as I detest Zach Britton, a 2 ERA is a 2 ERA. It's time to break the bank, though, because uh, not only would you be getting one of baseball's five best pitchers, you would be doing so at the expense of the Astros. I think the big thing is make sure it doesn't go back to the Astros. We cannot be outbid by the Astros. Let them go to the Rangers, even. That's totally fine. 
Angels. Sure. Because they're way more than one pitcher away. Although Garrett Cole and Otani would be really cool to watch if Otani's back. And Pujols, maybe he returns. Maybe Pujols goes to the mound. Situational reliever. He is is it that much crazier than Bartolo pitching at age 40? Bartolo's <laughs> awful pitching at age 40. Did you guys see the video of Bartolo throwing fastballs by 12-year-olds in the Dominican Republic? Yes. It was awesome. Epic. Everything I needed in life. It was perfect. Moving to the AL Central, it is the Twins and the Indians. The Twins are four games up on the Tribe. Uh, the Twins have six games left, three at the Royals and three at the Tigers. Indians, six games left at the White Sox and the Nationals. I mean, the Twins with four games, you know, four games up, it would be really hard for the Indians to come back to, re- begin, uh, to begin with. But, I mean, the Twins should win every one of these games against the Royals and the Tigers unless they're resting starters. Uh, to me, Twins are going to be AL Central champs come next week. Twins will be AL Central champs come next week. Um, NL West Astros clinched this week. Uh, they are eight games up on the A's, 102-54, A's 94-62. Astros clinched yesterday, in fact, with a convincing 13-5 win over the Angels. Springer had three home runs. Bregman and Aldemus Diaz went deep. Springer had the 22nd three-homer game, 22nd three-homer game in baseball this season. I thought for a second when I was saying didn't make English sense, uh, which maybe in itself that statement didn't make a ton of sense. Uh, but we're all good. Uh, and the Astros became the sixth team in baseball history to win 100 games uh, three years in a row. Um, Yankees and the Astros, before we get to the wild card, the Astros are half game ahead of the Yankees in terms of the best record in the American League as well as baseball um, and hold the tiebreaker. Yankees have two games at Tampa and three at Texas. Astros have two at, uh, in Seattle, four in Anaheim. As much as it pains me to say this, uh, the Astros, especially with the tiebreaker and given these schedules, I think they're going to be the one seed in the playoffs. I was thinking about that earlier. Yanks are also going with an opener for two of the next starts. I, I don't want to play Oakland. No. And we, I mean, how many times have we just gone in and kicked the crap out of the Twins in the playoffs? I'd feel much more comfortable against Minnesota than Oakland, so maybe. Or Tampa. I don't want Tampa. I know the Rays are the Rays, but I would rather get Berrios, Jake Odorizzi, and Kyle Gibson than Snell more than Glass now. Oakland's going to win the Lions card game. You think? Yeah. All right, well, transitioning into that, uh, three-team race really between the Rays, the A's, and the Indians. I think at this point it's a two-team race for the second card. Yeah, so Oakland is two up on the Rays and Indians. Oakland has two left at Anaheim and four left uh, at Seattle. Tampa has one game against the Red Sox, two at home against the Yankees, and three at the Blue Jays. Looking at this, I mean, Oakland – uh, that's six games that they're going to win in my mind. I think they're going to lock up home field advantage and pull off what could be if they win all those games in a 100-win season, which is really amazing given the talent they have. Uh, and then from there, the Rays and the Tribe. Um, what do you think? I think there's going to end the tie. I think we're getting, one, we're getting game 163. It's going to be Tampa-Cleveland. Who do you think wins that game? Depends how the two teams have to pitch it down the stretch. If the Rays can finagle their rotation in a way to get Snell going, they'll do it. But if the Indians can go with... I wouldn't go with Snell, honestly. I'd go Tyler Glass now. He has just been mowing hitters down since he's been back. I would go... And I trust Snell more in a game one situation. I know you got to win to get It's there. not a game one. It's another do or die one game. Jeez, that's brutal. It's back-to-back do or die games. But I think the Indians are going to... Who would that home game be? You know, I was going to ask that. Our research guy is currently taking a leak, so we're going to have him look that up in a second. We'll guess that it's... Research guy, do you mind looking up who has won the season series between the Rays and the Indians? Mm-hmm. I would go with... I'm just going to go with Cleveland. I'm going to go with the, game, the AL Wild Card game. Clevenger at home in Cleveland is going to be tough to beat. That's what I'm thinking. Or Bieber. Or Bieber. Spectre's boy, man. I know Spectre... Is no longer with us on the podcast, but boy, was he spot on. When are we going to get the, uh, the intro redone? I'm going to talk. I'm going to get it done eventually. I actually asked Beck about it, and he said, eh, it sounds like too much work, so take it up with him. Eh. I don't know if he wants you in the uh, intro. I did. Too much work for Beck. That's, I don't want anything. Too who, much, who did you um, guess was leading the series? We, did, we didn't guess. We, I, I think I, get, I guess we would. Teams played each other six games. Seven. Let's go. Let's go, oh. uh, let's go Rays 4-3. Cleveland 4-3. It's not close. 6-1 Tampa. Wow. 6-1 Tampa. All right. So here is going to be something 
that we need to get the Bavada odds on. Ready? If this wild card game is in Tampa, what is the over you under? You mean like the game one sixty three? Or the wild? Yeah, game one sixty three. Over under and Sam, I want your input the most as somebody. I know you didn't go to school in Tampa, but you know a Floridian in college. Over under twenty five thousand fans at game one sixty three. Over. Over. You think? Yeah. I think you sell out for do or die games. Yeah. It's very yeah. It's an all and, or nothing. And game. Tampa is not South Florida, so there is a small sect of loyal fans, and then a bunch still Florida, so a bunch. And of University of, University of Tampa, those kids, those kids throw it out. That's a fun school. According to all accounts. So I think you can get a bunch of drunk hooligans at the game. I know a drunk hooligan who went to Tampa. As do I. Do I? Yes. Oh, I think I do. You say it. You say it. I don't want to be wrong. Is it Big Mike? I was thinking it was your dad. Big Mike. I think you're... Would your dad go down? I mean, if he was in Tampa, he would be at the game. There you go. I would definitely... I think the over actually would be over... 25,000 He and I were going to go to game one of the DS together, but he's going to a concert instead with my mom. What show? Uh, Sadesky Trucks Band. Crowland's probably going to be there. Yeah, I'm sure you would love to see Crowland at the concert. <laughs> I've, done con- I've gone to a but concert But you know what? The crazy thing is, I actually do think you would love to see Crowland at the concert. I've gone to a concert with Crowland. Shameless plug. New Hootie and the Blowfish song, Miss California. <laughs> you got to listen. Speaking of Crowland, shameless plug, before we get into the National League, can't believe I haven't brought up the MLB Food Fest yet. Guys, this is something the three of us, podcast or not, are going to have to go together uh, to next year. With Crowland. Basically what it is is they rent out a space in New York City. It was on 39th between 5th and 6th. Um, and Outside? Indoors. And it's just a giant hall with each 30 teams having their own food specific from the stadium. Free soda. Uh, they had free ice cream at the end. And it was like this great, rich Mr. Softy ice cream. Great palate cleanser. Uh, you walk in, and a great part was that um, everyone got two free vouchers for Yankees and Mets tickets. I traded my two Yan- two Mets for two Yankees. Uh, so everyone on the podcast will be going to a Yankee game uh, on the MLB Food Fest time next year. I'm excited to do that uh, with you guys next year. Uh, but some of the highlights in terms of food items, there was about 30 teams. I probably got to about 19. Um, that seems like a lot of teams, Chase. It was a lot. If you ever wonder what cow balls taste like, I had Rocky Mountain oysters. Um, you ever have just like a super crispy like chicken tender where there's just like no taste and it just kind of tastes like batter? Yeah, that's what they taste like. That was pretty much what that tasted like. Um, but teams to visit in terms of their food, um, the Big Rooster in Cleveland, which is a very spicy chicken sandwich, would highly recommend. The Pittsburgh pierogies were great. I'd be all over both of those. Baltimore had a hot dog with mac and cheese and crab meat on it. Yep. Baltimore's um, really good. I showed you guys each separately a picture of the um, boomstick from Texas. Um, this was the hardest item to eat. It was a pickle-wrapped hot dog corn dog, and it was just massive and pretty gross. Sounds um, incredible. I did not eat the crickets. Soft. Soft. Did not eat them. That's like an easy one. That's one bite. Two other great palate plate. cleansers. They were some of the only desserts there. Uh, the Blue Jays just gave out cookie dough. Nice. Which was great. Um, and then the Atlanta Braves gave out, uh, excuse me, the Diamondbacks gave out the churro dog, uh, which was a hot dog consisting of a churro, ice cream, whipped cream, and... The Diamondbacks have a lot of fun hot dogs at their stadium, I remember that. Uh, Miami, dude. They gave out, like, the bubble waffles and chicken, chicken and waffles. Great. Um, but by far, the worst item of everything there was the Yankee Shrimp po' Boy. It was like, why are the Yankees selling shrimp po' boys? Couldn't agree more. Not something, I'm pretty sure they don't sell it at Yankee Stadium. I've never, yeah. Two little pieces of fried shrimp on a roll, uh, lettuce that looked like it was from Burger King, and a tomato. Classic Yankees cheaping out, aren't you? Fuck you guys. (laughs) Classic. (laughs) Then I went to Yankee Stadium Sunday, and like as I'm walking by, I walked pretty much around the whole Grand Terrace because the guy I was with had never been to Yankee Stadium. And I didn't see one shrimp po' boy, one of my dad's friends. I have a question for you. Yes. At the Food Fest, did you scout it out before? Did you do a quick lap around to all 30 teams? Well, they had the menu released in advance, so we did a little scouting. Okay. What the strategy is to do and what we did, we grabbed the table, and then we each got like eight to ten items and just laid them out, and we just started going to town. I also met the Cespedes family barbecue guys, um, two of my favorite guys on Twitter, Jake and Jordan. Cool to meet them. Um, they do what we do, except they get paid by Major League Baseball to do it. And we get... We just get to have fun. I'm having fun. I'm having fun. 
So MLB is that is the food fest. You buy the ticket and, and then thirty five dollars for all the food, and for fifty bucks oh. you can do it with three beers. But when you're eating that much food, uh, there's no room for beer. Palate cleanser. You want to talk palate cleansers? What's a better palate cleanser than a beer? An ice cold Coke. Yeah, but you're not getting drunk off Coke. I would take Bud Light. I would definitely go for the Bud Light. Decent beer selection too. A couple IPAs. I was pretty surprised. I'm not an IPA. I'm not a big beer connoisseur. And then, as you can imagine, to conclude the day at oh Milwaukee, did you get the Milwaukee food. That's the best stadium food. What was it? When I was at Milwaukee, they had this like a baked potato with bacon, chives, shredded cheese, but they made the baked potato mashed and they put it all in a giant cup. Sounds awesome. And it was awesome. That's the best thing I've ever had at a stadium. Shout out, Brewers. I'm looking at the menu. All right, well, this is, I don't think what I had. Okay, this is pretty close to what I had. Uh, the Brewers, I don't want the London menu. I don't know why this is driving me so crazy. MLB Food Fest. I could do a 10-episode podcast on my food in London. A lot of it would just be Jim Beam. Sounds kind of terrible. I could probably do three hours worth of content of me talking about Jim Beam. If there's a show like that. Oh, I mean, the cra- not the craziest item, but um, the Phillies gave out a Philly cheesesteak, which was, like, too massive to be one item. It was so filling, but it was so good. Wait, Tony Luke's at the stadium? That I don't recall. I've been to many Phillies games. So, overall, Food Fest, very positive event. Would highly recommend. Uh, moving to the National League standings, though, before I went on my tangent. Braves clinched the NL East Friday with a 6-0 win over the Giants. Second NL East title in a row, and it was their 14th NL East in 19 years. Uh, fun fact for you, Mr. Tiger Woods guy. We're both Tiger Woods guys. The Braves have won the NL East every year Tiger has won the Masters. That's incredible. How many times has Tiger won the Masters? Six? Five. Five? Five. About to be six. Yeah. You're so, right. Jump the gun a little bit. I'm just but. telling the future. Um, other than that, it's the best tournament he plays. Yeah. Nats nine and a half. I don't know back. if he wins a tournament outside the Masters the rest of his career. That's okay. We'll get a couple. What's the Masters payday? A lot. Tiger's got money. I mean, I'm not worried about. Tiger's that. not in it for the money. Anymore. I'm not worried about Tiger going broke. Nats, Mets, Phillies, Marlins rounding out that division in order. Uh, moving to the NL Central, the Cardinals clinched a playoff berth with a four-game sweep of the Cubs, which we will get to in a little bit. They are three games up on the Brewers. Cardinals are looking real great for the playoffs. Brewers, Cubs, Reds, Pirates in order. West, we're just going to ignore. 156, Dodgers way out in front. Second best team is 20 games back, which are the Diamondbacks, 80 wins. Um, but NL wild card. Uh, so when Christian Yelich got hurt, we kind of thought the Brewers were left dead. But after the Brewers defeated the Pirates 4-3 on Sunday and the Nats lost 5-3 to the Marlins, um, we have a tie atop the NL wild card race. Brewers are 10-2 since Yelich's injury. Um, the Cubs, after a debilitating week, um, are now four games back. Milwaukee has three games against the Reds and Rockies. The Nats have five against Philly, three against Cleveland, one of which is a doubleheader on Tuesday. Cubs, three at Pirates, three at Cardinals. I think the Cubs are dead. So, so dead. Um, but Can we talk about the Cubs now? Well, let me ask you this one question, and then we'll talk about the Cubs. Um, Brewers or Nats, given that schedule, who's hosting the NL wildcard game? The, based on that schedule, I would say Brewers, because those five games, a lot of games against Philly. Playing eight games, that's a lot of games in a week. The Nats schedule got – that's a lot of games to get there. It's going to be really hard to line up Scherzer, too. And – with three against the Indians, you need every win just as much. The Nats could lose these games. Fortunately, if you're a Nats fan, though, even if Strasburg's not going, or Scherzer's not going, even Stras- if Scherzer or Strasburg is not going, you still got Corbin. Exactly. So I still like the Nats to beat the Brewers in the one-game playoff because who are the Brewers still have? Probably Brandon Woodruff, who's coming off the IL. They'll do what they did last year. They'll do an opener and just make it work. They'll do the opener and make it work. I would take the Nats in a one-game. So we're talking about the Cubs now. Um, on Sunday, they became the second team in 100 years to get swept at home in a four-game series and lose all four games by a single run. It became the first major league team since 2011 to lose five straight 1-1 games. It's the first time it's happened to the franchise since 1915. Um, they lost to the Reds by one Wednesday, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, and they got swept by the Cardinals. Um, three of the four losses came when the Cubs were leading or the game was tied as late as the ninth inning. Yesterday, Hugh Darvish was attempting to finish off his first complete game of the season. Jose Martinez tripled the lead off the inning, sack fly, ribby double for Goldschmidt, and that was that. 
Um, the Cubs coming into last week when we were doing the podcast had a 77% chance to reach the playoffs. Now it is all the way down to 2.4% per fan graphs. Absolutely brutal if you're a Cubs fan. And the biggest part of that has been Craig Kimbrell, the guy that they signed to a three-year, $43 million deal in the middle of the season to anchor the back of that bullpen. Uh, His struggles were on display more than ever Saturday, uh, protecting a one-run ninth-inning lead against the Cardinals. He served up a game-tying and go-ahead home run before the announcers even had time to finish reading his stats. Two pitches, two home runs, and the Cardinals grabbed a 9-8 lead. Prior to that, on Thursday, he gave up a game-winning three-run walk-off home run to Matt Carpenter in a 5-4, 10-inning loss. Um, absolutely brutal. After not allowing more than seven home runs in any previous season, he's now allowed nine this season in less than 20 innings. His ERA is 6.53, third blown save in 16 opportunities, uh, four losses, and 3.92 home runs per nine innings. Uh, so first, what are your thoughts on Kimbrough's collapse? And second, did you ever think it was going to end this way for Joe Madden and then Chicago? I didn't know. I didn't think it would end this way. I didn't think Kimbrough... Last year, Kimbrough was a very, very, very important part of the World Series winning team. Correct? Yeah. So, I mean, he wasn't great in the postseason, but he was the closer on a World Series winning team. He was the closer for a World Series winning team. For him to be this bad almost overnight, I guess it just kind of shows that closers are replaceable. I mean, wow, that's, that was tough for him. Bad signing. And they're selling the books for two more years with that guy? Two more years. At 15 or so a season? Yeah, I do think on some level, too, this has to be, you know, Keiko has, for the most part, panned out for the Braves, and he'll probably be their game two or three starter in the postseason. But I think this shows you really have to stop and pause a little bit um, if you're going to sign a guy in the middle of the season who had no spring training. Well, I thought they tried to ease him back in and give him minor league time, but still. There's something... There, I think there's some bigger issue with the entire closer position. And there used to be the thought that anyone can do it. But I guess once you lose it, you lose it. So we're not going to get into details on any of these accounts, but Domingo Herman and Felipe Vasquez were both placed on administratively by the MLB this week. Really terrible shit. I'm just going to leave it at that. If you want to read more up on about it, just Google them. There's going to be a million articles. Um, my two questions are going to be to just keep it really simple. Uh, first one, has Herman thrown his last pitch as a New York Yankee? I hope so. I do as well, honestly. Um, it's really bad, um, but especially because he developed it this year. I mean, he won 18 games looking like he could be a future ace, but when you do what Herman did, yeah. uh, there's no room for that, yeah. especially with a team with a little bit of checkered history with that, like the Yankees. With, well, the, the, the Chapman thing was bad. That was terrible optic for the Yankees when they brought Chapman on board. But uh, I think... And the Chapman thing was about four years ago, if that. Uh, I even think I didn't like it then. I think the entire the country as a whole has had a big mindset shift where that this seems to be a no tolerance policy, and it'll be very hard for him to get back in the league. And as for Felipe Vasquez, I'm gonna just say this. Like he's done. You're never going to see Felipe Vasquez play professional sports again. Uh, and to be honest, this offense was so egregious that I do think there's a good chance that after this year you never see Felipe Vasquez in this country again. Yeah. I... Goodbye, sir. So for more info on that, um, just look it up. Don't make us report it. Simple as that. <laughs> uh, little managerial action uh, these past couple days. So we'll just start with the start with the happy one. So we're with a happy one, and this was a really pleasantly pleasant surprise. Uh, Donnie Baseball, uh, coming back in Miami, uh, got a two-year extension uh, with a mutual option for a third year. Um, he was making $2.8 million, so he's expected to take a relatively substantial pay cut. Uh, he was the sixth-highest paid manager in baseball, and the Marlins haven't been ultra-successful. But when Manningly returns in 2020, he'll begin his fifth season as a team skipper, uh, which will become the longest a manager has ever managed the Miami Marlins. 272 and 364 record. He's really excited to see the rebuild going forward. Um, the Marlins have the number four farm system in baseball right now, which is great. Great to see Manley back. But that said, I'm sure there are portions of fans who, when they see the Marlins go from 79 to 77 to 63 to 53 wins this season with eight wins to play over the past four years, are going to want Manley fired. But you have to remember big picture. 
When Jeter came in, they gutted absolutely everybody. And I do think even if Manningly's not going to be the guy going forward, there is some value in having a little bit of continuity the next two years as guys continue to rise through the ranks. Yeah, I think it's bad to fire managers in the midst of a rebuild. You see what the, uh, the in Miami, what the Dolphins are doing now with Flores. You bring that guy into a total shit show, for lack of a better term, and you're, it's, what's he supposed to do? If you like the guy and he's doing a good job in the clubhouse, if he's being a good leader with the young team, if you like the culture you have, maybe something clicks in the next couple of years, and if not, you can move on to a guy when you're closer to contend. Right now, there's no real point in making a change. I'm with you. Royals will be making a change uh, coming off of what is now going to be a second consecutive 100-loss season. Ned Yost announced today that he will be retiring at the end of the year, ending a nine-year run that included two American League pennants and a dramatic 2015 World Series championship. Uh, Yost's 719 winning percentage in the playoffs is the best in postseason history amongst any managers. Uh, Yost, 65, will retire as the Royals' career wins leader with 744 to date. Um, he said, I thoroughly enjoyed my time here as your manager. We'll never forget the good and hard times that we had together as an organization and a fan base. I'll never forget the fact that you fans supported us through it all. Kansas City will always have a special place in my heart. Yost, again, I know there were some bad years, but I think the thing that sums it up best that somebody wrote on Twitter is he brought a mid-market team like the Royals to two World Series and won one of them. Well, unquestionably remembered as the best manager in franchise history. Um, and it's saying that Mike Matheny's special advisor is a favorite to manage the team. I think that would be a terrible hire. In the age of analytics, I don't think Mike Matheny is the guy. I don't think he'll be cheap also having managed with the Cardinals, uh, and I think new ownership could do a lot better than him. Every report out of St. Louis was that Matheny was not the guy. Didn't I mean, you look on. at what Schilt's done since Matheny left. Yeah, on top of it, Schilt is taking the same exact roster and led them on, two, on a year and a half of really, really good baseball. But it's mainly the people just didn't like Matheny. Was not very, very confrontational, very, very stubborn. I mean, that's kind of the opposite of what Yost is. Maybe if they're looking for a new energy or a very new energy. I just think Matheny, I think for a lot of the reasons Girardi wasn't looked at as the guy to bring along young talent, I feel the same way about Mike Matheny. Yeah, I don't think Matheny does well in a rebuild situation. No. I don't think that's a job for him. Uh, and the last one, which I think is going to be the most attractive job by a decent margin outside of the Cubs which will almost for sure be open. Giants will be good, too. Giants will be good, but uh, the Padres fired Andy Green on Saturday per team release. Bench coach Rod Barajas is managing the remaining eight games of the season. Rod Barajas. That's a name I have yeah. heard. Didn't even know he was a coach. It, was, uh, it would have been McGuire had he not walked in. Yeah, it would have been. Padres will miss the playoffs for a 13th straight season, and their 428 winning percentage in, under Green is the fourth worst in the majors since 2016, ahead of only... Uh, or excuse me, behind only the, or head, head is right, not behind, the Tigers, Orioles, and Marlins, the Padres, four runs per game, 236 batting average, and 695 OPS in 2016 are all MLB worst. Um, since his hiring in 2015, Green has faced considerable challenges on their path to postseason contention, 274 and 366 record, did sign Hosmer, did sign Machado, uh, brought in Will Myers, but the team has not stalled as much, or has stalled and not achieved as much as they like over the past few years. That said, though, if I'm a manager, I'm jumping at this opportunity. You have Tatis, Paddock, so much left in the farm system. Machado, you have your building block. Machado, Hosmer, Myers, Tatis, Paddock. That's five It's a good young core. I would honestly rather have that job than the Giants job, only because even though the Giants are going to spend, I don't know what Mad Bum's going to have on the back nine, and I think he's going to be back in San Francisco, and there's nobody other than Joey Bart, the catcher, that excites me. I just trust the Giants' front office more. You trust Farzan. Yeah. A.J. Preller has been all over the place. He's been all in, all out, all in. He's not the kind of person that I would want to work for, but no one's hiring me to be the MLB manager anyway. Uh, tough break for Machado, but, God, he was not good this year. Tough break for Machado, but on some level, given how much he's making, I do think he'll have a little bit of input on who the next manager is. Not a ton, but a little. I... I don't know if he cares. You see that ESPN commercial with Machado when he is just being advertised as a guy who could not care less about anything? With the, was, did you see the one with the, uh, the hot corner desk? Yeah. I like, is that the same one that we're talking about? Yeah. I like that a lot. Well, because he's Machado. He's the man. All right, guys. So last week of the regular season, at this time next week, we will have a clear idea who is betting to the MLB postseason. We'll make our final award predictions and our postseason predictions. So stay tuned next week. Guys, any concluding thoughts? 
For me, go Giants looking for 2-2, two and two, and shout-out to the Bruins for putting up a 67 spot, beating a ranked team on the road. For me, in the Christianity class, I haven't been learning a whole lot, mainly because I'm taking it pass-fail, and my attention level is minimal. Um, but I had a great time sitting next to that girl today. Uh, so that was fun. That was good. She does, she's gotten to the point where she likes to look at my antics on my computer, so I always have to keep them somewhat. I have to be, I'm on my game with what, how I'm goofing off in class, which is, it's like, it's, it's a class in, in itself. Someone should teach kids how to goof off in class properly. And NYU, if you're looking for a hire next year, I could probably do that for you guys. I'm rooting for you. Give it back to the school that meant so much to me. All right, so all that said, uh, we will be back next week with Sam Beck and Bryce Holden. This is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show, number 30, coming at you next week. Enjoy. There's a note on the table, said I ain't coming back till your sorry ass is gone. I'm tired of cheating and running around. Never saw the wrong in anything you've done. Whiskey's gone, but I ain't leaving. Gotta be a bottle in the back. Whiskey's gone, but I ain't leaving. Gotta get this devil off my mind. Well, I stumble my.